Hello, and welcome to The B-Spot, a place to talk about life that's almost therapy, but not quite therapy. Again, not quite therapy. So if you are experiencing a serious mental health or substance abuse issue, please seek individual therapy from a licensed therapist. Now, my name is Brian Heller, and over the past 18 years as a licensed therapist, I've noticed that issues like depression and anxiety and addiction, uh, trouble with relationships, parenting challenges, teens, screens, and many other symptoms of being human come up for us all in a variety of ways. So come rejoice in being human. I won't pretend to have all the answers, but I do understand some things and I feel compelled to share them with you. The B-Spot is also a place for you to bring your issues to be discussed. A counseling perspective when you don't have time or money to see a counselor. So come join me at the B-Spot and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to the B-Spot, the place that gives you almost therapy but not quite therapy. Today we are discussing human truth bomb number five, which deals with the issue of escape. And it's what goes up must come down. And if you're not there, you can't fix it. Before we get into that conversation, I want to remind you that you have the option to participate in this podcast. You have the option to send an email to bhellercounseling at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, questions, ideas, anything that you would like me to know. You can reach out anytime and I will look at what you have to say and see how it can fit into what I'm trying to provide here. On to truth bomb number five. Why do we escape? I've got a metaphor that I have used for years that addresses one of the main driving forces behind the need to escape. And that metaphor asks you to draw on memories that you may have from owning a pet. So if you've owned a dog especially, you have likely walked into the room and noticed that the dog has uh, made boom boom on the floor. You have a couple of options at that point. You actually have a few options, right? You can turn right back around and pretend that you didn't see it and hope that someone else will come in and deal with it. You can push it up against the corner of the room and, and put a newspaper over it to try to pretend it's not there. Or you can do the work that it takes to actually clean it up. And if you've been in this situation, you know that it's a bit of a process. Getting rid of what was there and then cleaning and all that. Um, and so a lot of people choose not to clean up the mess. When we apply this metaphor to our brains and our traumas, our issues, we start to see that there are piles of poop in your mind that you have not cleaned up. You may have believed that you could just move forward in life without being impacted by those piles because you've covered them up, you pushed them back in the corner, and you don't want them to affect you. The problem is that the poop still stinks. Your issues still stink. Even if you've covered them up, if you haven't done the work to clean up the mess, then your issues still stink. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like stinky issues. And it's the type of thing that I might like to escape from. And it is one of the main driving forces that leads anyone to escape, to avoid 
feeling the impact of traumas that we have experienced, ideas that we have formed, and not wanting to take the time to take the newspaper off and really clean up the mess. That's one driving force of escape. Other reasons that people escape, life can be really sad. Life can be boring. Life can be scary. Life can be hard. In this day of unlimited and unfortunately unchecked information available all the time, if you look hard enough at any given moment, there is plenty to want to escape from. So many things happening in the world help script our stories to reflect sadness, anger, disgust, fear. So what's the problem with a little bit of escape? Well, another metaphor. Escaping from the fire is very different than putting it out. If my bedroom is on fire and I go to the bathroom, I can pretend it's all okay because I'm safe for the moment. But I've still got a big problem waiting for me in the other room. And until I'm ready to put that fire out or call for help if I need it, I will do whatever it takes to avoid that fire. And that fire is feeling bad. We don't want to feel bad. When I think about stress, I feel emotional pain. When I think about nothing, I feel nothing. And the reality is, for many people, feeling nothing is far preferable to feeling pain. We don't like to feel pain. But what is the point of a life without feeling? I mean, is our purpose on earth to merely exist as feelingless beings that just wake up in the morning, live their day and go to sleep at night? Or do we have to feel? Do we have to feel dark in order to be able to identify light? If there was no such thing, as the blocking of light, would you ever really know that light exists? So without negative thoughts, would we even know that positive thoughts exist? It's a deep philosophical question, but what most people realize in the process of getting sober is that it is better to feel even painful thoughts than to feel nothing. Because when we put ourselves in a mindset of feeling nothing, we aren't having the human experience that we are designed to have, in my opinion. This is not fact. This is opinion. So those are some of the reasons why people escape, right? So how do people escape? The obvious first answer is addiction. Addictions to anything tend to serve as an escape from our reality, some aspect of our reality whether it's something we are physically trying to avoid or something emotionally we are trying to avoid. We find repetitive patterns, addictive patterns, take our mind off of the thing that we're trying not to think about. Addictions actually hijack the reward center of our brain. Right now we're going back to the neurotransmitter talk. We're talking about dopamine, right? Most addictions tap into that pleasure reward center in our brain and give us a little dose of feeling good. We want that again. And so we continue to engage in that behavior again and again and again. We almost lose control over the ability to make that decision. I will talk a lot more about control within the concept of addiction 
um, on a future podcast where we're talking just about addictions. I'll just say this. Many 12-step programs and other treatment programs stress the idea of being powerless over your addiction. And while in said in a certain way that's true, that's also not true. You have power over whether you engage in the addictive behavior, whether you go to the store and buy alcohol or whatever. Where you lose your power is when it first touches your lips. When you first stimulate that part of your brain, the pleasure center, and you get that feeling, then you lose your control. You lose your control over your decision to have one drink and it becomes five, for example. So we'll talk more about control. So other addictions, things that people get hooked on that help them escape from the stresses of their reality. Video games. If you have children, perhaps adult children even, you may uh, have a lot of experience with someone who has a video game or screen addiction. It's very powerful what it does in the brain when, when you're looking at a screen. And this affects not only our kids, but also us. And while we're talking about screens, let's just talk briefly about cell phones. I am one of the biggest cell phone haters out there. I am often challenging the people in my life to spend less time on their cell phones because I think they're bad for our experience, the experience of being human. What a cell phone does is it offers you dozens of things to entertain you and to help you escape from the present moment. Cell phone makers have found a way to put all of these options in our face all the time. So when I take my phone out because I want to see what the weather's going to be like, I see 19 other icons of things that I can press and find out more information. And it's very easy to become consumed by that and lost by that and stuck in that to where you completely miss out on everything that's in front of you. That is what is real. What is in front of you is what is real. What's on the cell phone is, is real somewhere, but it isn't real in your immediate vicinity unless you're looking at local news. The brain wants dopamine. And every time you look at your phone, you get dopamine just a little bit. And your brain wants more and more of that. And so it just takes more and more of your life. And before you know it, look at your screen time app if you have an, a, an iPhone. See how many hours you're spending a day looking at your phone. You want to have some fun. I did this the other day. I sat down and I put my phone on the table in front of me. And I looked out the window, watched the birds, and I paid attention for the next 15 minutes or so to how many times my brain told me that what I had in front of me was not sufficient, that there was some piece of information that I needed in that moment in order to feel at peace. The impulse would come up over and over and over again, and each time I would push it away and just notice it and say, God, once again, and it may have happened 30 times in the first two minutes where my brain was like, oh, but go see if you got that email. Check and see what this has. Check and see if that. Check and see if that. And I was just even more aware of how powerful screen addiction can be. Because as much as I hate them, I'm hooked too. And I have to make a conscious effort to put the phone down and put the screens down. So we'll talk more on that in future podcasts. 
especially as it relates to teenagers and kids, because those are the most vulnerable among us to the screen addiction. And it can be most damaging because it's happening earlier in life and it's taking them away from the experience of their life. People become convinced that social media and cell phones and all that stuff makes me feel more connected. I'm more connected with the world because of that. And what it actually does is has the reversed impact. You're less connected because the people who are in the room with you are feeling very disconnected from you because you're somewhere else. So watch out for screens. People can get addicted to food, eating unhealthy food. People can ad get addicted to sex, right? Now, sex as a part of a healthy relationship, that's great. Sex as a part of shallow, inconsiderate, self-serving activities that are emotionally damaging or even physically damaging to others, that becomes a problem. And it can be physically damaging to yourself. There are lots of risks that come with that. And so risk is another addiction that people fall into. The action of taking a risk, the neurotransmitters, the feelings that come with knowing that I could win big or I could lose big. Gambling. Gambling is another common addiction. Um, people can become addicted to being dependent on other people. People who lose themselves in relationships and become consumed by their partner, being immersed in something other than yourself. Now, interdependence in a relationship is wonderful. It's healthy. There should be a level of that if that's what both people want. But when we become addicted to that dependency, that becomes codependent, becomes unhealthy. Another thing that people do to escape is dissociate. People dissociate from what is happening in their lives in order to not feel the pain. Now, many of these other addictions help a person dissociate. Getting high helps you dissociate from what's going on. Gambling, sex, food, all those things help you dissociate. But again, if we go back to the fire metaphor, it doesn't solve the problem, right? So if my bedroom's on fire, I go into the bathroom, I look out the window, I think about stars. I can dissociate all I want, but that fire is burning. And at some point, I have to walk back in there and deal with that. So it's another way that people escape. You know, back to the idea of screens, let's talk about pornography. We will talk a lot more about that and the way it impacts relationships and men and the brain. But just for the purposes here, it's another way that people escape. So I'm in this relationship. It's not going the way I want it to go. My needs are not being met. So I'm going to go online and find tens of thousands of other images that I can look at that are also going to hijack my brain and make my relationship more difficult, make me feel guilty and shame and sad and all those things. So pornography is another escape that we will talk more about in the future. We've talked some about fantasies. To touch on that briefly in this situation, you know, both positive and negative fantasies are ways to avoid reality. Both come at a cost because the brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. So when we imagine positive things that never end up happening, we experience severe letdown. When we imagine negative things that haven't happened, we experience the stress of those things as if they're actually happening. It's very unhealthy, but also is another common escape. Gossip. People get addicted to gossiping, feeling the power of being able to tell someone something they don't know that 
they're going to really care about, that you think they're going to care about. So you get to be the keeper of the information. And that's a very powerful feeling, and it's another thing that people get addicted to. People get addicted to exercise. You say, well, how can exercise be bad? Well, there are some people out there, probably maybe some listening today, who exercise to the point of dysfunction. It becomes obsessive. It can be obsessive because they feel like they've eaten unhealthily and they have to compensate. It can become obsessive because they don't like being at home and when they're at the gym, it's peaceful. It can become obsessive because they don't like the way they look and they just become consumed with trying to change the way they look. Exercise can become very unhealthy and and work can too. Work is a necessary part of most of our lives, but there are some people that work way too much. That's a subjective opinion, but that is my subjective opinion. I think people who work more than they need to are making a big mistake in how they spend their time. I think it's more difficult to find real personal satisfaction through employment than it is through relationships. And I've learned that those two things often don't go well together. If you're working all the time, you're not going to have time or energy to invest in those relationships. So they will suffer. People can also become addicted to feelings. Any particular feeling can become addictive. I'm sure we all know someone who we might think are addicted to feeling angry. No matter what, they just seem angry. Or they're addicted to feeling victimized. No matter what, they make themselves a victim in a situation. They're addicted to feeling sad. They're addicted to feeling anxious. They're addicted to worrying. They're addicted to any particular feeling can become addictive. Because again, our brains are the best bartender you've ever met. They're putting these things together, these neurotransmitters together to make us feel. And that feeling, even if it's a negative feeling, that feeling takes us away from reality. And so people become addicted and they learn to think in ways that allow them to continue to have that feeling, even if it's dysfunctional. People will avoid pain, emotional or physical, at any cost. That's why these escapes become so powerful. So what do you do once you realize that you are engaging in unhealthy escape patterns? How do you fix it? How do you clean up those piles of poop? Well, the first thing that you have to do is expose those piles of poop. Expose the issues that you have experienced that are continuing to impact you that you haven't given enough emotional attention to to work through the damage that was done through those events. You have to uncover the thoughts that you formed, the tapes from those events, and challenge them. You have to clean up the mess. You can't just keep pretending that it's not there pretending it's not affecting you and wondering why you're experiencing dysfunction in so many other areas of your life, areas where it doesn't even make sense. You don't know why you're doing the things you're doing. Well, it's because you have piles that need to be cleaned up. So another thing you can do is clean up the piles as part of this. It's take steps to improve your situation. Rather than avoiding and escaping the situation that isn't the way you want it to be, 
put one foot in front of the other and start making it the way you want it to be. You don't have to make big changes to feel a big difference. I love the saying, nobody ever went broke earning a profit. As long as you are putting one foot in front of the other and moving toward a healthier way of being for yourself, then your brain will reinforce that with positive feelings and it'll become easier and easier to make those healthier decisions. Identify what's causing the stink. Look at the thoughts that you have connected to that issue. List them. Challenge them. Challenge them for rationality. Is this something I can prove or is this not? If it's rational, make an action plan. If it's irrational, then you know, let it go or make it rational. And then create an action plan. Right? Another thing that is important, especially for those people who have trouble feeling their feelings and have become very intimidated at the idea of truly feeling their feelings. And so they walk around all day in escape mode, dissociated from what's going on around them. And for people like that, especially people who have gone through or are going through difficult things, if your piles of poop are difficult traumas, then schedule some time to feel those feelings. Schedule some time to take the newspaper off that pile, sit and stare at it, smell it, breathe it in, and then clean it up. Change the negative associations, the negative connections that came out of it. Examine it with your adult brain, make it rational, and clean up the mess. The reality in life is that there is no way through it except through it. We have to feel the things that we feel, even if they're difficult. That's the only way we get to move forward and not remain attached emotionally to those negative events. That wraps up our discussion today on Truth Bomb number five, the last of the Truth Bomb series, that says what goes up must come down, and if you're not there, you can't fix it. Hopefully you have found value in this series and in this podcast. You are welcome to email me at bhellercounseling at gmail.com with any thoughts, concerns, questions, comments that you have criticisms, all that's fine. Unless someone sends me an email requesting something different, the next conversation will continue the discussion about a couple of these escapes. We'll talk some more about alcohol, the only drug that you have to apologize for not using. And we'll talk about screen addiction and all the challenges that go with that. Until our next session, be well.